everybody. It's Weird Mythic Podcast. Of course, thanks for tuning in. I'm Naomi, and I'm always with Serena. And guess what, Serena? What? It's our one-year anniversary. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, what? Genuinely, like, <laughs> happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Guys, we've been doing this for a year. This is insane. How has it been a year? Do you remember? I still remember the conversation we had. Like, Should we do a podcast? Do you want to do a podcast? <laughs> I like that's how how we talk in your in your head. I mean, that is how <laughs> like that's how we both talk in my head. But that's kind of how it happened, right? <laughs> I, I kind of agree, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we sound like... simple in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I just do. Yes, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has been listening, even if you didn't start from the beginning and you listened to the beginning episodes. I just want to say thanks for continuing to listen. <laughs> so <laughs> really, it was a little rough back then. <laughs> Just a little. And everybody for supporting us. It's been awesome. Um, You know, of course, friends, family, everybody who's given us suggestions on stories and whatnot. I just want to send a big thank you. And to all the other podcasters out there who has helped us and let us be on their shows or especially everyone who, you know, said they'd be on ours. So just thank you to everybody from Naomi and Serena, Weird Mythic Podcast. Y'all are great. We can't thank you guys enough. Honestly, like it makes me want to cry. Not only does the story that we're covering today make me want to cry, but, like, the fact that we have so much love from everybody and mm-hmm. the podcast community was so welcoming makes me want to cry because I'm a cancer and I'm just really emotional about these things. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I think – and we also – somebody wrote an article about us and I cannot get over it because they called us charming as fuck and, like, that Charming is, as fuck. That's our new thing. So. We've been telling each other charming <laughs> as fuck since we read the article. Yes. I can't get over it. It's, it's so, fucking great. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you. It is linked on our Twitter. If you guys want to go check out that article as well as a bunch of other really dope podcasts that they recommended. Yes. Um, and they compared us to one of my favorite podcasts, which is Yeah, awesome. Two Girls, One Ghost. That was yes. sick. And th- I did, remember, I told you about that in the very you beginning. Did. I was like, this is the podcast that I really like, and they cover this, this, and this, and I would love to have a podcast like that, and now we're being compared to them is insane. It's very humbling, I gotta yeah. say. And then so. and then also my ego got bigger, so thanks. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> we're walking around like, our shit don't stink for a couple of days, and then we're gonna get back to the research, and then, oh, mm. this is really hard. Okay, this is what it is to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Charming as fuck, though. But yeah, that is, like, charming is fucking fuck. great, man. I thank love you. It. I love so, it. So, <laughs> thank you guys. Just one big thanks. Three minutes of that. So, thank you guys. <laughs> we needed to. Um, today is going to be a heavier episode. So, this is going to be one of our true crime episodes. So, if mm-hmm. you're not into that, we don't mind. You can skip this episode. It's okay. Um, no, don't. But if, don't skip it. No, <laughs> I feel like you need to like <laughs> skip it. It's 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 going to be really heavy so it deals with the death of a very young child and it's going to be graphic and it's going to be detailed and i'm going to go over the autopsy report as well so it's not for everybody so except mm-hmm. naomi she has to listen i'm forcing her to do that i have to <laughs> i have to listen <laughs> yeah so tune out now if you don't want to hear that <laughs> yeah so you know trigger warnings death and children are involved and it's super sad so there's your warning guys okay should i get into mm-hmm. it then yeah, let's go okay. ahead and get into your case. I'm excited to see what you brought to the table. Let's do oh this. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I am going to be talking about uh, Sterling Cohen. So have you heard of him? Sterling Cohen. Not mm-hmm. ringing a bell. Okay. All right. So 
Baby Sterling Cohen was born on May 1st, 2017 to Cheyenne Harris and Zachary Cohen. And they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, They resided in a two-bedroom apartment in Alta Vista, which is in Iowa, in Chickasaw County. The population of that town is like less than 400. So it's really, really small town. Oh, wow. That is small. Yeah. They also lived there with their almost two-year-old daughter, Nala, and their dog, Leo. I had to see the dog. So (laughs) um, Zach, Cheyenne, they did have a a rocky on and off again relationship. And Cheyenne's mother openly didn't like Zach. Like she was very vocal about it during the trial that when Cheyenne would come over to her house, you know, Zach wasn't welcome. Vice versa, when Brandy, the mother, would come over to their apartment, she wasn't welcome inside so that, you know, she did not like Zach at all. Mm -hmm. Um, They were addicts, so unfortunately both were addicted to meth. And Sterling was born while Cheyenne and Zach were at a friend's house for a party. She had actually gone into the bathroom because she just thought, she had to use the bathroom and she ended up giving birth in the bathtub. Oh my God. Yeah. Paramedics and Cheyenne's mother both arrived and she and baby Sterling were taken to the hospital where they were then transported to a bigger hospital. And it was thought that Sterling might have water in his lungs because he was born in the bathtub. And um, so they were actually kept at the hospital a few days And Sterling was incubated, and then they were released and returned home a few days later. Um, There's other sources that say that they did test the blood in the umbilical cord and that it did contain traces of meth. But I don't remember if I saw that during the trial or if that was somewhere else, so I left that out. But I'm going to mention it. Yeah. So Cheyenne's mother took sterling to a follow-up appointment then the very next day with doctors and he was actually issued a clean bill of health oh good Uh, if you have kids or if you know of somebody that has kids over the next few weeks after you give birth there are a lot of appointments so you have a lot of follow-up appointments you want to make sure you know you're going to those appointments to see that the baby's growth is proper they're gaining weight they're taking the bottle or you know booby whatever the source yeah, you is would know. you're a mama exactly there's a lot of appointments the fact that that was his very last appointment that he went to is concerning so he actually never went to any appointments after that so on august 30th 2017 a call was received by 911 dispatcher kathy at about 12 o'clock in the afternoon the caller identified himself as zachary cohen He called in saying that his son was gone and the dispatcher asked what he meant by gone and he ultimately said he passed away. He also states, I don't know if it was sudden death syndrome or what, referring to SIDS. So SIDS is sudden infant death syndrome and if a child dies an unexplained death and they're under the year, I think one year old uh, and there's no known cause, sometimes they'll just rule it as SIDS, right? So if there's like no... Mm -hmm brain injury or suffocation or something like that they'll usually rule that as SIDS so he was claiming I don't know if it was that or what his demeanor during the call was very calm and he didn't seem like he was you know in distress or anything like that but 911 dispatcher Kathy she did end up sending out first responders so Mm -hmm. this brings us to 
Tony Frederick. So on August 30th, first responder Tony Frederick was paged to call about a four-month-old possibly dead. That's what the call said. So she rushed over to the apartment because usually when they get a call of possibly dead and it's an infant, they, you know, can do CPR or something. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't know how long it's been dead. Maybe we can bring it back. So she got over there as fast as she could. She got to the apartment and she was met by Zach who took her to the back bedroom. So okay. in the apartment, the back bedroom is directly next to the master bedroom. So if you're looking through the front door, you can see the bedroom door at the back of the hallway. So you can see it direct, you know, if the door is open, you'd be able to see into that bedroom. Right. Next to that was the master bedroom. So he brought her into the back bedroom. So that second bedroom back there. She said that when she walked into the bedroom, it was dark. It was really stuffy and had a really, really bad smell of urine and feces. She noticed while looking around the room that there was no crib in the room. So she's looking, you know, looking for a crib. Oh, where's the baby? On the left hand side of the room. So if you're at the door, you look at the left, there's a mattress like a queen or a full-size mattress leaning Mm -hmm. up against the wall so nobody's sleeping there obviously right it's leaning up against the wall over the window directly in front there is a quilt covering the window and then to the right of the room in the back corner there is a swing facing the wall that's where baby sterling was it so he was in the swing facing the wall Oh, he was in the baby swing facing the wall. Yes, in the corner of the room. So she walked over to the baby to examine the situation, thinking that the baby may still be saved by CPR, like I said. Um, She said that Sterling's eyes were open, fixed, and dilated. He had blood around his mouth and nose, and his fists were clenched, and they were kind of up by his mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. And she checked for a pulse, but his body was cold and stiff and the baby was not breathing. So there wasn't a pulse. It was clear that this child was not alive. Tony then made a call back to dispatch to send out a sheriff and a medical examiner because obviously the child is deceased. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that brings us to Deputy Jason Russell. He arrived at the apartment at 1.09 p.m. on August 30th, and he was directed to that back bedroom. He also said that the room was hotter than the rest of the house and had that really, really strong smell of urine and feces. He noted that the quilt was hanging over the room, uh, over the window, excuse me, in the room, blocking all sunlight and airflow. So there was absolutely no circulation in this room. There wasn't like a ceiling fan the AC unit was in the living room, so there wasn't any airflow. The only air that was coming through, they had like a, you know, like central heating on the ground. Yeah. So they had that type of furnace, but it wasn't obviously on because it was August. So there was no airflow in the room. So the room actually felt, he said, like 10 degrees hotter than the rest of the apartment. Because so everything was closed off. Yeah, so significantly hotter. And he said that when he walked into the bedroom and walked towards the swing is when the smell got worse and worse. When he approached the swing, he saw clothes and blankets were all piled in the corner of the room. There was stuff piled everywhere. So there was a, you know, one of those like bouncer seats, not a swing, but it was like just the bouncer that goes up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was like clothes and junk just piled on that. There was like empty soda bottles on the ground. 
there was um pile of clothes in the corner that were like not baby size clothes more like for the the two-year-old that that size clothes and then you know when you go to a baby shower and they give you like a diaper cake so it's like rolled up diapers that that are yeah so there were a bunch of those clean rolled up diapers in the room as well as well as um, smell like piss and feces yes so clean diapers were all around um he discovered the baby in the swing and his bright blue eyes were open, but it looked like he had kind of slid down the swing a little bit. Even though he was still strapped in the swing, it had like a three-point harness, so he was still strapped in. Um, but again, he was like blankets were piled on top of his lap. So the swing was plugged in and the green light was on, but the swing actually wasn't moving. He said that the baby did look a lot smaller than four months old and that he was very skinny and sickly looking. He said that there were visible brown stains on the swing, the blankets, and his skin. He actually kind of thought it was bruising at first, but determined it was, like, stains from feces. Mm -hmm. And the swing actually looked like it was soaked in urine and feces for a while. He said that rigor mortis had set in. I think we all know what that is. If we don't, it's a stiffening of the joints and muscles of of a body few hours after the death, usually lasting from one to four days. So there it depends on who you talk to at what hour this kind of kicks in some people say eight some people say 12 either way the body had hit that stage of death so it was rigor mortis when he moved the blanket off of the baby he actually had to hold his breath because the smell was so bad and he was like starting to gag And he noticed that fruit flies or, like, gnats started flying out from under the blanket. Underneath the swing, there was a blanket, a pair of pants, and a few other articles of clothing that were all soaked in urine. There was, like, a sock, um, another onesie. There was, like, you know those baby mittens that you wear to, like, not scratch your face? Yeah. Those were, like, under there, and they were all just soaking up this feces and urine that's overflowing right and then next to that were scented wax melts sitting on the floor so we all know this the things that you plug into your house to make it smell better they melt the wax and it emits odor that smells fruity or whatever right so there were those sitting directly next to the swing there were no visible soiled diapers in the room, so it's clear that the smell was obviously coming from Sterling and not just a pile of dirty diapers, right? Right. All right. So the medical examiner, Jeremy McGrath, was paged to the house at around 1 p.m. So when he got there, he walked to the back bedroom and he recounted the same exact scene that everyone else had stated. So he basically described to a T what the first two people had. He did briefly speak with Cheyenne and he asked um, when she last saw Sterling alive. She said 8 p.m. the previous evening. Mind you, it's like 1 o'clock at this time. That's what I was going to say. So she saw him at 8 p.m. the previous day? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And it's it's like 1 in the afternoon? Yes. Jesus. Yeah. All right. So this brings us to Chief Deputy Reed Palo. On August 30th, he was dispatched to the home. He was directed to the unit by another resident of the complex. 
When he got to the back bedroom, he was confused why people were standing around and not doing CPR, right? Um, right. I believe it was Tony and somebody else that were in the room, and she was like, this isn't for us. This is for you. Like, it's not something we can handle. You have to handle this type of thing. And so when he examined the body, he noted that the same thing, small black flies were around the baby. Mm-hmm. Exact same thing, right? He saw everything that they saw. So I'm not going to keep repeating what it was, but so then, yeah. So then he goes to speak with Cheyenne and ask her what happened at this point. They, there were a lot of people in the apartment, right? Um, Deputies were coming in and out. So they actually stepped out of the apartment and went to his car to kind of get away from everybody and just have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And she started by saying that she found him dead. And then she went to wake up Zach and tell him, hey, he's dead. And then he called 911. She told him that she fed him the night before and there was a lot of inconsistency with the time frame. So she kept saying, oh, I think it was eight o'clock. Oh, no, it had to be before that. Um, So we never really got a clear time of when she last saw him. Mind you, the 911 call came in again at 12 o'clock that day. So noon, right? Around noon. Right. So we don't, we can only assume that that's kind of when she found him, right? You would assume that they would call right away. You um, would hope, but if she, yeah. even, she even said, she's like, oh, I didn't see him except for 8 p.m. the day before. Exactly. I'm not a mom. I have never had yeah. to really take care of a newborn baby, but I know you would see them probably every hour, yes. maybe even less than let that. Me, it's a, yeah. a four-month-old. You're not going to even let that thing be alone for that long by yeah. itself, right? Like, Let me break it down for you. So, in reality, when I brought Riley home, she ate probably every two hours. Oh, every two hours, she was hungry. Every mm-hmm. And it was probably about that. Every two to three hours, she needed a diaper change. Because she ate. Yes. So you can imagine in the very beginning when they're five months and less, they're eating and they're shitting and they're pissing a lot. Like that's all they do. That's literally all they do. But somebody like, okay, I'll take my brother for example. I remember when my niece was first born. She's 11 now. Um, My brother would legit wake up like every half hour or check on her every half hour and stare at the baby to make sure that its chest was moving up and down. Like it's sleeping. I don't want to mess with it, but it's okay. It's okay. Good. It's alive. I'm going to step away for just a minute. But he said it was the most stressful thing he ever had to do. And it was just to, you have to keep it alive, you know, just to put it as most simple as you can. But I mean, you just don't, you don't let your child just sit there at four months alone for yeah that long of time it no. does no no a normal person wouldn't so i mean even exactly a normal i'm person. not familiar with postpartum depression but i think okay. at least one of the adults in the home would think to check on the child so there's there's a second adult in this home remember that so anyways back to what we were saying so um, there were inconsistencies again with the time frame. She did say that it was still light outside when she fed him that evening before. And um, Chief Deputy Reed Palo actually looked it up and sunset that night was 740 p.m. So if you go from that to 11 o'clock or 12, whatever, that's like 16 hours to go. Even if So if you go from 8 o'clock to 
noon when the call came in. That's like 16 hours. That's a long time to not check on even my seven-year-old. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't even go, you know, I wouldn't even go, I don't know, probably like two hours without checking on her, you know? Yeah. That's just crazy. So they went over the events of the night before. She said that she was taking care of Nala, doing dishes and other household chores And that when Zach got home from work, so he actually worked night shift. He was a truck driver delivering, like, chickens to farms or something like Mm -hmm. that. So he worked night, so he would get home at, like, 4 a.m., right? So when he got home um, around 4.30 a.m. that night, um, Cheyenne, Zach, and Nala all had dinner together and then went to sleep. So they were eating, (laughs) And then also, why is the two-year-old awake at 4.30 in the morning? That's, like, kind of suspicious. Like, does she not sleep? She's on a very bad sleep schedule. So. (laughs) If her parents are meth addicts, she probably has their hours. She probably copied their, which is what I used to do when I lived with my mom. So. Okay. I understand that. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you're having dinner all together. Maybe feed your other kid. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So they went over those events and then um, they had dinner together, went to sleep. Cheyenne woke up late that morning, so the morning of August 30th. And it, from what it sounds like, it was probably around like 11 a.m. And then that's when she went to check on Sterling. When she went to go check on him, she didn't even pick him up. She just said, oh, he's dead. Like, how do you not pick up your child if you're thinking they're dead? Well, just the fact that she said, oh... He's dead. Well, that's, I, that's me so paraphrasing. Scary. I don't know if like that's what she said. That's what I okay, think happened gotcha. in my mind. The fact of the matter is the evidence shows she didn't pick him up that when she determined he was dead. So, okay. um, all right. So Chief Deputy Reed Palo, he asked if there were if that's where um, Sterling was sleeping. So if if the swing was his like bed, right? And Cheyenne did verify that that's where he slept. Nala actually slept in a pack-and-play in the master bedroom, which was right next to Cheyenne and Zach's bed. So she slept in their room with them. Also kind of weird. He's just shut in that room, isolated. Yeah. He asked about Sterling's health, and Cheyenne did say that he was born a week early in the bathtub. She also said that... They went to the hospital and then they were transferred. She said that they stayed about a week and then they were released. And then she also said that he had not gone for any follow-up appointments. So at least she was like honest at that part. Mm -hmm. Um, He then went back into the apartment to meet with both Cheyenne and Zach and asked them if they'd be willing to come back down to the station and, you know, just have a conversation. And it was a volunteer basis, right? They Mm -hmm. agreed. So... They needed to find somewhere for Nala to go. There was a neighbor, Jennifer, who sometimes would watch the kids, and she happened to live right there. So she left Nala with the neighbor, Jennifer, and Chief Deputy Palo was told by Cheyenne to make sure that there were diapers in the bag to be sent with Nala. So she was clearly capable of caring for a child, right? Nala was also healthy, like... Everyone that describes her describes her as, you know, she's a healthy looking young girl. She's chubby. She has chubby little cheeks, chubby arms, chubby legs. Like she's obviously well fed, you know, and taken care of. She's normally clothed. She always is wearing normal clothes that are appropriate for her. Okay. And uh, that's just 
that you can take care of one child, not the other, infuriates It just you. makes you so angry. It does. We're going to get into that later, though. Um, <laughs> so during this interaction, right, they're, they're waiting for them to come to the police station. So also, um, like, Zach was like, oh, I don't think we can go. I don't have, you know, money for gas or whatever. The chief deputy actually gave him $10 for gas to get there out of his own money. Like, no, come on. Here, I'll give you guys. You don't have an excuse type of thing to, <laughs> to get him to go down there. Yeah. And they were saying that it took them a really long time to get to the sheriff station. People actually thought they weren't going to show up. Oh, uh, that's how long they were waiting there for them. So when they finally did show up, um, obviously the search warrants were then issued and they were approved. Um, Chef D- Deputy Palo, he did follow up with DHS to arrange for emergency removal of Nala to be placed into temporary foster services because clearly this is an unfit environment, right? Mm-hmm. and um, back at the apartment, they were getting ready to put baby Sterling into a body bag. So they were trying to figure out how to move him without affecting all the evidence, right? Right. Um, so they actually kept him in the swing and put the whole thing, the whole contraption, minus a couple parts that the deputy carried himself, but like for the most part, he was still sitting in that seat, in the body bags. They put the whole thing in there. And that's how he was transported then to go get the autopsy. Jesus. So they had all the information. Well, I'm like, that's kind of the uh, murder weapon at that point, right? Yeah. They need it I mean, for it's for sure something. All right. So before we get into the autopsy, I want to talk about that neighbor. Jennifer okay. Schraver is her name. So Jennifer had actually first met Cheyenne. So let me backtrack a little bit. Um, They had only lived in that apartment in Alta Vista basically since Sterling was born. They had only been there a couple months. They moved, I want to say, when he was like two weeks old, something like that. Because I think um, Cheyenne was staying with her mom for a couple weeks before she and um, Zachary got a place together. So that's where she was before that and then they moved so they had only been in these apartments for a couple months jennifer had first met cheyenne in july of 2017 when she was working at a gas station that cheyenne came into one day and she actually recognized her from the apartment complex because jennifer lived there she had seen cheyenne walking around she introduced herself and welcomed cheyenne to alta vista early july there was a storm and a tree actually fell onto the building that cheyenne lived in and not directly on her apartment, but it was like the apartment right in front of her or the unit right in front of her. Um, so Jennifer went outside to kind of see, hey, what happened? And then she saw Cheyenne out there with her daughter, Nala. And they started talking about the storm. And Cheyenne mentions that she's like mad at Zach because he's working and he's not there to be with her during the storm. And which seemed like a common thing that she would always complain about. Okay. And um, like the man got to make some money. <laughs> Someone's got to work. You don't. (laughs) Yeah. So she was complaining about that. And then she also said that the tree actually shook her whole apartment and woke her and Nala up. But thankfully, it didn't wake the baby. Up until then, Jennifer didn't even realize that she had a baby at home. Oh, wow. Yeah. She had been there for four months and didn't know they had a four month old. Yeah. And she had seen Jennifer outside with Nala, like on multiple different occasions and stuff. And even um, Zach, he he was outside. He was friends with Jennifer's boyfriend. So they they became, you know, neighbors, like neighbors too. Um, So they would talk and stuff when they were outside. She actually didn't even know that 
she had a son and they were outside together for about 20 to 30 minutes and she already told you zach's at work you know that baby's up there by itself like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's going through her mind right Okay. A few weeks after the storm, Jennifer actually babysat Nala and Sterling for Cheyenne and Zach for the first time. So she said, like, you know, if you guys ever need anything, I think Cheyenne was only like 21 at the time. Okay. So pretty young. Um, and she, she could visibly tell, you know, she's tired. She's going through stuff. She told her, like, if you ever need a break, like, bring the kids over. I'll watch them. No worries, she's right? She's being neighborly. Yes. Yeah. So she took her up on that. And she said that when she was given the kids to watch that day, Cheyenne gave her a notebook containing all the instructions for care. So, like, she was, she said, oh, she's pretty organized. Like, that's, you know, that's doing a lot, right? She had this notebook of, like, there was Tylenol that Nala was taking. And she had, like, the amounts and the times when she was supposed to take it. The kids had different brands of wipes because one of them had sensitive skin and the other one didn't. So, there were... You know, she was differentiating between the different wipes, whose is what, which diapers are whose, the formula, the baby bottle for Sterling was in there with like the amount that he's supposed to eat, the instructions on how to mix the bottle. Um, She also had ointment in the bag that was for diaper rash. And she said that, you know, Sterling does have diaper rash. We've been putting this on or whatever. So she gave that to them as well. She ended up babysitting for about 17 hours that day. That's a Did long Did you say 17? <laughs> yes, 17, 17 hours. 17 hours. And that's the yes. first time that she's ever had to care for these kids. Yes. And she said she didn't mind because she liked having the kids around. She, you know, she had grown children. So she was excited she to have kids like around. She like a nice person. Yep. Yeah. Oh, um, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, so for 17 hours that day. During that time, she said that baby Sterling did have pretty bad diaper rash, but that over the course of the 16, 17 hours, it did seem to be getting better with her applying the, you know, she said, I applied the the ointment. It seemed to be getting less red, less chapped. It was definitely getting better. She also said that he took the bottle very, very well and ate regularly during that time, and he was hungry. She said he could eat. Mm-hmm. And he had his diaper changed frequently. So she said that he had, she probably changed his diaper six to seven times during that 17 hours and that he was fed about every two to three hours. So, like you said, that's normal. Yeah. Oh my God. Jennifer ended up watching Nala and Sterling for them again in the end of July. So okay. she didn't know the exact dates, but she said it was probably about july 29 30 or 31st like around the very end of july mm-hmm. which was a couple weeks after that so um, she, she babysat sterling and nala only twice um i think there might have been one other time but this is the second time okay um in the end of july so he no maybe this was the only other time okay. me, let me get the rest of my notes and then i'll let you know that's <laughs> <laughs> all right um so during that second time or that end of July time that she's babysitting for them, he did still have diaper rash. So she said, mm-hmm. you know, the ointment or whatever. Um, but she said it wasn't as bad as the time before. This time, she actually ended up watching the kids overnight. So when she, this time Cheyenne was like going with Zach or something to go drop off chickens 
And when they got home, Cheyenne texted Jennifer and said, oh, hey, can I have a couple minutes like before I come get the kids to just like put myself together, decompress, whatever. Right. And she was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Some time had passed and she still didn't return to get the kids. So Jennifer actually reached out to um, Cheyenne saying that Nala was very low on milk and they were both on their last diaper and they're both getting fussy so that they needed to come pick them up. Basically, come get your kids. Right. Right. This went unresponded to. So she didn't even have the courtesy to respond. And more time had passed. So Jennifer was like, hey, whatever. We're just going to go drop the kids off. So her and her boyfriend grab the kids, pack everything up, and they walk over to Cheyenne's apartment. During the drop-off, so Cheyenne opens the door and sees that she's there with the kids. She starts getting all huffy and rolling her eyes. Like, she definitely did not want... She was not ready for those kids to come back. Okay. That was actually the last time that Jennifer had seen Sterling alive. So I guess that was the only other time. Yeah. So on August 30th, Jennifer walked outside and she saw Zach smoking a cigarette. She said hi to him and he didn't say anything. So she actually walked over and was like, hey, is everything okay? Because he's just ignoring her, right? Mm -hmm. And Zach looks over at her and just says that Sterling is gone. She's like, what are you talking about? Gone. Like he got kidnapped. You know, when I, he kept just saying they're he's gone. And to me, I'm like that to me, you're saying he's missing, right? Like, no, he's dead. Like he's not alive. So she was like, well, did you call anybody if your child's not alive? And his response was, we don't know what to do. And she was like, well, you should probably start by going inside and calling 911. Like, that's, you know, where you start. So clearly time had passed when they found him to when he actually did call. Okay. Yeah. So they also had a dog. I talked to you about the dog, Leo, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't allowed to have dogs at the apartment complex. So according to Jennifer, the dog like lived in the bathroom, which is so freaking sad. But the dog is okay. Trust me, the dog is okay. So um, on August 30th, while the authorities were at the house, Jennifer asked, was asked to watch Leo. Like, can you watch our dog for like a little bit until we figure out what's going on, right? Okay. So she did. And a few days later, she met up with Cheyenne and Zach at a nearby park to return the dog. During that interaction, they were talking about, like, she's like, hey, guys, what's going on? You know, as you do in this situation, like, it's kind of awkward, but, like, you have to figure out what to say, right? They're talking about funeral arrangements and such. And then Cheyenne starts saying, like, she feels like everybody is pointing the finger at her. And basically, Jennifer agreed. She was like, yeah, I can see that. Like, they are, you know? (laughs) And then, which I think is, like, savage of her to say. I do, too. It's like, damn, I don't know what I would say in that situation at all. I'd probably just be like, yeah, okay. (laughs) She was like, yeah, it does kind of seem like that. And then Cheyenne looks over at Zach and motions at him and goes, see, I told you we should have taken Nala and Leo and ran. (gasps) And then at that point, Jennifer's like, well, I don't know what to say to that. So she says that the conversation was over, but. Wow. Oh, wow. That's wild, though. I don't know how I would react if I was in that chick situation, uh, Jennifer. Or like, <laughs> yeah, I can see where they're coming from. See, I told you so. And I would I, I have done the same. Like, yeah, conversation over. Here's your dog. I can't. Like, Yeah. 
Jeez. Okay, so on August 31st, 2017, so this is the day after authorities, you know, arrived and Sterling was found dead, right? Okay. This is the very next morning at 8 a.m. is when they started the autopsy. So they briefed the medical examiner on how the body was found. Chief Deputy Reed was actually there and he witnessed the autopsy. They said that they started with the removal of the items covering Sterling's body. So there were, like I said, the blankets that were all soaked in urine covering him. Um, he was wearing like a onesie and had shorts over it as well. And so, okay, so they're removing all of this stuff from him. They start with the blanket. Underneath the blanket, there were maggots. So the flies that they were seeing had laid eggs and those turned into maggots. So throughout every single layer, they're seeing this, right? Um, there were several articles of clothing on, under, and stuffed around the baby. So, like, it seemed like to soak up anything, right? Rather than have it drip on the floor. Because then there was that stuff underneath the swing as well to, like, catch any falling feces or urine. The maggots were crawling around and they were alive throughout the articles. They collected, they actually collected the maggots and sent them for testing. And this is the part that I didn't get too, too heavy in, that it would say, um, it could show, A, the species. So you could see what species of fly laid the eggs. Mm -hmm. And then, B, you could see what stage of life they were in. So you were actually able to see how long they were alive for. That's what I was going to say. Just because I'm weird and I know that about maggots. (laughs) It was apparent that they had been there for a while. So what they were saying, that he was alive the night before was not true no not at all i don't believe that they just yeah no i don't believe them already just (laughs) i don't think anybody does but (laughs) no if they're saying that there was maggots no it's it's been more than just a that you know from eight o'clock the night before you called the Mm -hmm. cops no huh yep so the clothing was wet again as they pulled the layers they were just they discovered there's more and more maggots um the onesie that he had on, so when they flipped him over on the back part of him, like kind of where the butt is, there was like a film and it was like this sludgy stuff. And it was, I forget what it's called, but it's like what the maggots, when they eat, they like uh, puke it up or whatever. I'm like waving my arms in disgust right now. Oh, yeah, I'm shit. sorry. Okay. He, oh, was no, covered. he was covered in that stuff. Oh, um, this It's going to get really, really graphic here. So, the skin on his legs are was, like, blotchy and red and had really, really bad rashing, right? Towards the thighs, so, like, mid-thigh, so right above your knee mm-hmm. to the genital area and then up on the abdomen had infection so bad that the skin was sloughing off. So, the skin was actually dying around it and it was coming off of his body. And that is what the maggots were attracted to. So, yes, the feces was one thing, but mostly it was that rotting dead Mm -hmm. skin that they were trying to get. Mm. So they were essentially eating him alive. He was for sure being tortured and going through this stuff. His So they stripped him down. They tried to get as much. They actually wiped away as much of the feces and stuff as they could to see the full, the extent of the injuries were. And it was really bad. So that there are pictures. Medical examiner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know he's scarred uh, for life. Yeah, so were the jurors because I mean, they had to look geez. at all of these pictures. Oh, God. Yep. 
Oh, and during fuck. the trial, so I watched her trial. During the like the part where all these pictures are coming up, she her head is completely down. Like, and you can tell that her defense is like disgusted with her too. The guy's face, the the main lawyer guy, he's like making these awful faces of these pictures. And then the woman, that's like the second, she has her back completely turned to her. Like you can tell they're like done with this bitch. They do not want to represent her in the slightest. Absolutely not. You can tell. I feel like you can tell. So yeah. So they determined that due to decomposing skin and the prolonged soaking in the feces. That was like, yeah, they determined it that that was what was happening. So it was definitely a long time. And when they did strip him, um, his rib cage was showing. There was no fat on his body. Like, he was completely skinny, right? His stomach was so sunken in. And he was he was seven, under seven pounds when he was found. That's, like, what he weighed when he left the hospital, if not yeah, a little more. No. His eyes were so sunken in, and so you know how babies have, like, the soft spot in their head? Yeah. If they're dehydrated or if they're not well-nourished, that spot actually starts to cave in, right? So, over time, that spot was sunken in. So, they were able to determine he was severely dehydrated and, you know, malnourished. Dr. Klein actually goes on record to say that, that all that was needed to prevent this was food, water, and cleanliness. Like, that's all. Basic human needs. Basic human needs. So, that's pretty much the evidence. I mean, we have enough, I feel. (laughs) There was more. question. Yeah, what's up? Okay, so, because how old is the the other one, Nala? She's how old at this time? So, So, almost two years. Did the parents take care of her full-time, or did somebody yes. else take no, care of her? she was with them full-time. Okay. Yeah. All right, so, sorry, go on. Yeah, so clearly you're capable of taking care of a child, another human being, if Nala is this well-nourished and, you know, she's thriving. Mm-hmm. You're, so when they, I think they were trying to claim, like, postpartum or something or mental illness. I forget what they were trying to claim, like, as the defense, but basically everybody was like that's bullshit you were able to do this for one child you could have done this for a second child you ha- yes. you gave instructions to your babysitter on how to properly care for the child you knew how to that's care for him that's so odd yeah like you there were clean had- diapers and diaper rash ointment within feet of his body like so you, within feet so, yeah you can obviously think ahead know what the baby is going to need know what it needs and everything to prepare to give it to somebody else to watch but you can't do that yourself yeah and they would stay so sterling and um nala would go with uh cheyenne's mom every once in a while and go stay with brandy and she testified as well um i think the last time they saw her was like very early august there was a festival in town that she had them for like the weekend or a couple days and he was fine at that point like uh you know that was the beginning of august he passed away the end of august so that was the last time she saw her grandchild alive. Super heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to the verdict. So they did find her guilty. The jury found her guilty of murder in the first degree, as well as guilty of child endangerment causing the death of a child. 
And in Cheyenne's trial, they actually had the jury polled. So what they do is they'll basically have them say if this was their verdict, right? If if they if it was unanimous, if it was a unanimous okay. decision. Okay. So they'll go gotcha. through each juror to say like Naomi, was this yeah. your whatever, right? And each one, yeah. and they had the jury polled, and I'm like, how fucking shitty. <laughs> like good that she had to sit there and hear every single juror say yes we find you guilty of these yes we find you guilty of these like i'm glad that they did that but that was her lawyers that did that so i almost feel like they wanted her to feel a little more bad you know yeah but i mean like i mean that yeah every single person saying yes guilty yes yeah it was it was unanimous she got life in prison so did zachary cohen and he was also guilty of murder in the first degree and guilty of child endangerment causing the death of a child. And his jury was not polled. So he didn't want to know if uh-huh. they all felt because he already knew. Yeah, so. he knew. Yep, that's my case. And now I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. Pretty much. Oh, my gosh. So uh, what happened to Nala? Do you have any information on her? I don't. I don't know. I feel like she would have gone with the grandmother. But the last mm-hmm. thing I heard, I honestly didn't look it up. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't think to look it up, but I, I would assume she's probably with the grandmother because she was capable of taking care and she mm-hmm. was providing care. So I would assume that that's where she went. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. That was heavy. That poor child. Yeah. You know what's even sicker? There's a show, you'll like this, on the BBC. Mm-hmm. And I think I it's do like, love the BBC. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I think it's called like, uh, oh, it's Locked Up with Lifers. Locked Up with Lifers. Yeah, she's on that. So, um, and then in the, I watched like some clips, but she was getting on my nerves. So I stopped watching. She was like, they're bullying me in here. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) duh. They're they're bullying me. Yeah, they are. She literally said that. Exactly. The fact that she literally was like wanting people to feel sorry for her and show, she's like, yeah this is gonna be really fun and i'm like yeah is if it isn't the consequences of your own goddamn actions like That's what did insane. you think was gonna happen yo they're picking on me People yeah it, it nice. really pissed yeah, me actually, off i'm like uh you were picking on a four-month-old that couldn't even talk also right? like one other thing that the, uh, dr klein said the guy who did the medical examination autopsy uh-huh. dude he said that the, he was so dehydrated and malnourished and he was not capable of crying out in his last moments. Like he was oh. not capable of, you know how babies cry he when they're hungry. So weak. He yeah. couldn't do it physically. Man. That's how long it was. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I that have a uh, child. I have so many feelings about this one and it makes me it just really so angry. Just yeah. so angry. Like I want, I like, I don't, there's nothing that I can do, but the, like, it feels like I need to do something at the don't same you, time. Yeah, and I, I'm like, all I want to do is like, I don't know, have them starve. I don't know. When I tell you, I was like, you know how you go over like scenarios in your head and you're like, oh, if this happened, this is what I would do. I was mm-hmm. like, if I ever got locked up in an Iowa prison and I was with Cheyenne, <laughs> this is what the <laughs> fuck I would do. And I was just like going through all this shit and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm. It, it hit too close to home. Like, this one with the kids. Mm. That's how I felt about the Gabriel one. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. I just... The kids yeah. kill me, man. Oh, 
So crazy. Yeah, and you, you talked about um, Terrence. Terrence Coldler? Oh, yes. Terrence, I think it was Cottrell. Yes, Terrence Cottrell. See, ugh, the kids, man. Why do I gravitate towards the... I think I like to make myself sad. <laughs> oh shit maybe or it's just it's one of those things because you're like i think probably for you you're like gonna go hug your child and be like i will never literally never do you know how many times i fed riley yesterday she's probably like mom i'm not hungry and i'm like eat the damn pizza (laughs) have you been drinking your water today (laughs) literally i'm like go drink some more (laughs) are you cool enough is there air circulation like i was like helicopter parent to the max and i'm like mm-hmm. let me find that balance again because i don't want to be like that i want to let my kid experience her things but also like i just you <sighs> i'm sorry you you have to keep them alive <laughs> that's all it is like you just gotta keep them alive <laughs> yeah i don't know and then i go through the thing of like if i was the neighbor like and i you know saw that situation mm-hmm. what would i do but realistically what is she gonna do realistically like, all she could do is babysit those exactly few times. and when exactly. the kids were with her she did the right thing because she's a normal caring person yeah. who's gonna care for the kids oh shit. <sighs> well serena so <laughs> sorry well <laughs> bring down the night <laughs> so we uh we're gonna go ahead and kind of end it there we're gonna have another cryptid episode come out after this at some point so as a little bit of a palate cleanser yeah but let us know what you guys think about this case and over at weirdmythicpodcast at gmail.com. If you have, you know, any other information on the case, that would be great to know. Or um, yeah. if you have anything to suggest about, you know, future episodes, please send it over to weirdmythicpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, Go let ahead us know. and... Sorry, yeah. let us know if you no. guys even like this true crime stuff or if that's even yes. something that you're interested in because we have decided we are going to make this... Not like a normal thing where we do it every single week, but at least monthly, we're going to do one or two episodes Mm -hmm. and they're going to be labeled. So you're going to know that they're separate from our normal, you know, content that way, because we know it's not for everybody. It's really hard to record also, (laughs) (laughs) but we're going to do it for as long as we can and try to step into the realm of true crime a little bit. Yeah, just here so. and there, definitely. But yeah, we're we're definitely gonna be putting more of that out there because it is good to research and put those cases out there. So yeah. yeah. You can let us know all your recommendations. Follow Naomi on Instagram at Weird Mythic Podcast. Come hang out with me on Twitter at Weird Mythic and then yeah, shoot us some reviews because we have been thriving since we got those. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Yeah, go ahead and tell us we're awesome on every platform. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> tell us we're charming as fuck. Okay. Yes, charming as fuck. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening. Bye.